This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I'll give you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. New world order. But there is a further step the would-be totalitarian rulers can take to increase the chance of a totalitarian psychosis. And this is to isolate the victims and to disrupt normal social interactions. When alone and lacking normal interactions with friends, family, and co-workers, an individual becomes far more susceptible to delusions for several reasons. Firstly, they lose contact with the corrective force of the positive example. For not everyone is tricked by the machinations of the ruling elite, and the individuals who see through the propaganda can help free others from the menticidal assault. If, however, isolation is enforced, the power of these positive examples greatly diminishes. But another reason that isolation increases the efficacy of menticide is because, like many other species, human beings are more easily conditioned into new patterns of thought and behavior when isolated. Or as Mirlu explains with regards to the physiologist Ivan Pavlov's work on behavioral conditioning, Pavlov made another significant discovery. The conditioned reflex could be developed most easily in a quiet laboratory with a minimum of disturbing stimuli. Every trainer of animals knows this from his own experience. Isolation and the patient repetition of stimuli are required to tame wild animals. The totalitarians have followed this rule. They know that they can condition their political victims most quickly if they are kept in isolation. Alone, confused, and battered by waves of terror, a population under an attack of menticide descends into a hopeless and vulnerable state. The never-ending stream of propaganda turns minds once capable of rational thought into playhouses of irrational forces, and with chaos swirling around them and within them, the masses crave a return to a more ordered world. The would-be totalitarians can now take the decisive step. They can offer a way out and a return to order in a world that seems to be moving rapidly in the opposite direction. But all this comes at a price. The masses must give up their freedom and cede control of all aspects of life to the ruling elite. They must relinquish their capacity to be self-reliant individuals who are responsible for their own lives and become submissive and obedient subjects. The masses, in other words, must descend into the delusions of the totalitarian psychosis. Menticide for the masses. It's episode 78 of Behind the Schemes for January 3rd, 2022. And I am Boo Berry, the Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the bereft coast where we commit menticide and we eat some nice tasty chewing gum. My name is Lavish. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Boo Berry. Ding.
We it's the first Happy show, 2022. That's right. It's January 3rd, 2022, and everybody who has a stutter is so stoked because <laughs> now they can stutter the date all they want. 2022 20, 2022 2022 Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> uh did you have a good New Year's? I did have a good New Year's. It was very low key. I spent it with uh some close family and we played dice and drank champagne and it was very lovely. How about yourself? Nice. Uh well we were actually traveling back to the miniocalypse from visiting some family, so we didn't get in till I wanna say it was like Eight nine o'clock, uh, oh. Saturday, and I kind of putzed around and unpacked the vehicle and um, got all my shit set up just in time to pop on to that uh, Hog Story stream to wish the East Coast a Happy New Year, and um, mm-hmm. then we celebrated New Year's here, and then I got a little toasted drinking out of my I Heart Mothman mug that I got from the uh, Mothman Museum. Perfect, perfect. It was good. It was mellow. It was laid back. Low key. Yes. Yeah. That seems to be the name of the day. The name of the game here was everybody had a nice low key, um, easygoing New Year's. Nice. I'm glad to hear it, man. That's what we. Uh, yeah. That's what we need. Yes. Yeah. A little rest and relaxation. I think everybody's a bit weary and. This holiday, I think everybody agreed we're going to shut the shit down and we're going to go the fuck home and we're going to chill out for this holiday. Nice. Well, uh, we should go ahead and uh, start this show off by looking at our tarot card for tonight. We draw Surely. from we draw from the Line Strider deck, which is this beautiful watercolored art uh, deck that I have. And tonight's card is the Six of Swords reversed. And here is some mm. quick keywords: uh, travel, escape, baggage, new journey, better times ahead, change, and movement. This motu is going to be moving when I throw it across the goddamn room into the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yes, uh, personal transition. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna make it personal. personally going to transition that fucking motu. <laughs> uh, what do you know about the Six of Swords? Six of Swords, uh, it's a, a woman and a young child being rowed across a body of water towards a nearby land. Uh, it's usually, uh, it's usually a, the, the image, which is the, the Rider weight typical image, is, is kind of of like um, people that are going for it. They are, they are releasing themselves from a certain something, and maybe they're moving forward. Maybe it's in a sad way. Maybe it's in a constructive way. But uh, typically, it's it's the the mother and the daughter that are in the boat, and they've got the six swords in the boat with them, which sort of to me kind of signifies that they have their sorrows, they have their battles, and their battle scars. And um, now that they are moving forward from that, they are they are releasing that sort of um, mental baggage, and they are they're they're moving forward. That that's usually what Six of Swords means to me. Nice. The uh I got a reverse meeting here from tarotx.net. Uh the Six of Swords line strider tarot in reverse can show you running away from a problem that you still need to deal with. 
This card can also indicate that you are feeling trapped, that you want to sail to new things, but you can't because some external constraints are preventing you from moving forward. For example, you might want to end a relationship but can't do it due to financial problems. Look at the other cards for suggestions for how to face things that stand in your way. When interpreting in reverse, this card can also show that a relationship or partnership is falling apart. A partner is slowly walking away without you even realizing it. It's kind of somber. A little bit. Yeah, so maybe that I think that's kind of a, a interesting card to get after a new year, right? Mm-hmm. Resisting change, unfinished business, that sort of thing. So um I think I think something that everybody really wanted with the new year and with the holiday was a transition. Everybody really wanted to move from whatever we're in into something new. I think <laughs> that's what everybody really wants deep down is to move forward into something new. <laughs> and um <laughs> hashtag yeah. cdc says it's okay to move forward <laughs> <laughs> hashtag no they don't <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's uh gosh i hope i when, when you get a reverse card like this obviously you know we we talk about how it's not just the opposite of the card but it's it's an obstacle that you're trying to achieve what it is the card is is, is conveying. So as bags, or no, I'm sorry, not bags, but turbo, turbo faggot in the uh, in the chat said that uh, everything worth having is on the other side of pain. Mm. And I think that that this card is a very very great uh, visualization of that idea. Yeah, and he even shouted that out before uh, before we started for tonight. So That's right. Kudos to him. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Big job less. I'm not yelling at you, Bags. I'm just stating that I'm aware of the problem and can't slash won't do anything to rectify it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'll just get a little staticky tonight. That's okay. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm just going I'll to... just talk to, less. I'm going to have to, I don't know, play around some more, figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but, uh, that was our tarot card for tonight. If you want to check that out, you can head over to Zoso's corner dot substack dot com Z O S O S corner dot substack dot com. It's featured there at the top of the show notes for tonight. Um, I also added some other stuff to the show notes lavish. Uh, I don't know what you think about them, but I added some buttons that will take you to the live stream. It'll take you to the green room chats. It'll take you to the donation page. It'll take you to our website all right there in a row. So, I love it. I think uh, it's great. Yeah. And quotes, subscribe for the sexiest junk mail in your inbox right here. <laughs> that's the perfect way. To, it is sexy junk mail. So mm-hmm. subscribe if that's what you're looking for. Nice. I'll give it to you, baby. Oh, yeah, give it to me. <laughs> um, speaking of the green room, that is our chat. It's on the irc.zeronode.net hashtag green room. There's all sorts of cool motherfuckers that hang out in that chat all during the week. It's not just Monday nights, 7.30, 9.30, 10.30 Eastern, but all all week there's people in there chilling around. Um, one of those people who's a, a reoccurring consistent freak of hazard, freak of hazard being producers to the show 
is Servo, who sets up and maintains the sexiest bot in the no agenda universe. The sexiest bot in the in the known universe, people. It's not a joke. Yeah, this is no Chad. This is no Stacy. This is mother. I mean, it's Gal. You know, it's Gal. Ah. We only we only need one. We, well, and we got Stacy too uh, in the chat as well. We but, do, but we, she just hangs out. Yeah, she's not. I mean, gal, like, you know what Stacy can't do? Stacy can't roll dice for you. You can't ask Stacy questions. You can't draw a nope. tarot card from uh, from Stacy. Nope, nope. You can't have Stacy interpret that card. None of it. Nope. None of it. Um, but gal can do that, and yeah. that's because we have gal, and that's because gal's the baddest bitch in all of Botdom. As far as IRC is concerned. <laughs> What's that, gal? You got something to say? I am the hype! Mm-hmm. <laughs> True story. Speaking of which, um, Servo also recommended a program that Cold Acid of Rare Encounter also utilizes. And it's a soundboard application meant for Twitch streaming. It's called Resonance. 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 Um, and I downloaded it, and I've been building multiple soundboards <laughs> there's a lot i went through every single iso i've ever saved and tried to uh sort them accordingly mm-hmm. we can even uh <laughs> oh where to go uh, there's now i will say there's a lot of buttons a lot of buttons so i'm going to be uh navigating as we go but i can do fun stuff like this do you not? Do you not? You know? You know? You know? Do you not? Do you not? Do you not? Do you not? Do you Do you know the way? Yes, I know the way. I think he knows the way. Do you have Ebola? I think he knows the way. Yes, that is the way. Oh Lordy, we should go ahead and thank some other freaks of hazards. We had Bully Steed. Who's uh, definitely showed up before. Boule, boule, boule. Ah, boule, boule. Always glad to see them hanging around in the chats. And uh, they help support independent media by they uh, sending in a donation of $8.40. Thank you, Bully Steed. Thank you, my dear. I still haven't forgot about our conversation of with uh, figuring out some sort of mailing P.O. box. It's It's on my list. I will figure something out, whether it's USPS. Yes, this or- is this is something that people keep asking us about, which I'm very surprised that people keep asking us about this. We're going to get a PO box, but, but we never expected to to need one. So now now we need one because people apparently want to send us things. So it's a work in progress, and we'll we'll look into it. Hell yeah. And then coming in next, a uh, turbo faggot sent in some ISOs and I, you know, I listened to this and I'm not sure what to make of it, but I'm going to consider it an end of show mix and we'll have it uh, featured at the end of the show after our play out song. It's pretty wacky. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, but uh, you know, I like stuff like that. He also sent us these two gems clinically and terminally retarded and in 2020 more people died from covid related meth lab explosions <laughs> mm. i think he knows the science that's <laughs> doing uh, man what a flash in the pan meme history that is that 
nobody except anyone who is there will understand. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you, Turbo. Thank you so much for the for the ISOs, man. Hell yeah. And then uh, right before the show started, Double Thought came in again, raining down that magic number of $3.33. What? Thank you, Double Thought, from Double Thought Dimension Podcast, Mr. Derek and Tony. Not Mr. Tony, but just Tony. Just Lady <laughs> Tony, I guess, would be the way. Do we? The, um, the, now, the last episode, I think, that they did was the... Um, targeted individuals and i meant to send you an email about this double thought but with all the travel it it definitely escaped me however if you want a hot lead on a lot of that information i would 125 percent recommend checking out up is down with dean reiner he's he's found some really spooky stuff and he's followed some very specific people which kind of tie into the bigger schemes at hand. I'll get those actual episode numbers uh, for you at some point. Um, but yeah, it was, it's some gnarly shit targeted individuals. I, I mean, I've, I feel like I've, how do I phrase this? There's been a couple of moments where I've, I've definitely wondered like, is someone coming after me? I'm not even saying this from a paranoid point of view uh quite literally like just getting random phone calls and people are telling me about targeted individuals from people that i don't know so it's spooky it's spooky stuff no doubt mm. but pretty you, spooky around here it's <laughs> uh and if you want to check out that episode it's <clears throat> over at double thought dimension.com that's a show that's uh uh, Derek and Tony do. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can check them out. Check them out. And that does it for our Freaks of Hazard. I've got one more shout-out I'd like to give, if that's all right. Go for it. Uh, I would like to wish a very happy birthday to Cork S. Oh, shit. Uh, wherever she may be. Uh, haven't heard from her in a little bit, but... Uh, what I understand, she's doing well. She's healing up nice. And according to my records, it is her birthday today. So a very happy birthday to Quirkass. Yes, happy birthday, Quirkass. Uh, we uh, ran into her during the uh, New Year's Eve stream. She was uh, mm. on and off and chatted up. And um, yeah, glad glad to hear that things are recovering, if, uh, if slowly. I mean, I'm just glad that things are looking up regardless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, which is the advice that you should look up. Mm-hmm. Well, happy birthday. Um, I think that's, uh, that wraps for that segment. Uh, if you want to help support independent media, we are a value-for-value value production, meaning we don't uh, have any commercials unless people that we know want to send in something and We'll try it out and give it a shout out because that's the sort of uh, sponsorship that we're into. But um, mm-hmm. if you want to f- fuck around with us, <laughs> head over to badradio.live. <laughs> we support small business, not corporate plutocracies. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, another way you can help support the show or any of the shows that are featured on the No Agenda stream Head over to newpodcastapps.com. Get yourself one of them fancy new uh, 
podcasting 2.0 apps. One of the ones that will do the chapters. It'll do the transcripts that the show's releasing the transcripts. You can get some streaming sats, all sorts of cool stuff. Yep. Very cool. Very legal. Boost me, bitch. Boost me. Oh, yes. Boost me. What? Pay taxes on your crypto, though. Otherwise, it's not legal. It's very cool, but it's not legal. Can you, uh, can we just, (laughs) we're going to, we're going to stop here. How, uh, how does the government man get off on making people pay taxes for cryptocurrency? What do you mean? How does the government get off making people pay taxes on crypto? The same way they get off on getting everyone to pay taxes on everything else. Mm. Gotcha. Just make a nice little, I saw some funny thing the other day. It was like. In the IRS, in the, on the IRS website, it says, even if it's stolen property, you still have to report it. Even if you stole that shit, we still want our cut. Oh, okay. yeah. So don't you fucking love that. <laughs> How does an auditor follow my insane crypto moves? By, I don't know. They just have ways. It's all, it's all madness. Well, I, got- I put it through. I do everything legit. They they were they call me weak because I pay taxes. I just it just life is easier when I pay my taxes. I just know they're not going to fucking arrest me. So, well, you know, I, I got I got one message for you. They are theft though. Yeah. Stupid! <laughs> You're so stupid. Yeah, you suck, government. Yeah, that'll be the one thing that puts me on the list. <laughs> um, man. We we still have yet to do our Federal Reserve episode. Of course, I'll just be clipping uh, Jen Briney in oh. her hole. Okay. <laughs> that is very Satan-y. <laughs> God. Nice. Um, well, uh, yeah, go out and boost your favorite podcasters so that they could turn around and pay their fucking fair share to the government, I guess. Yeah. Boost me, Give bitch. Give up Sam your cut, bitch. <laughs> We're going to do this one more time. Uh, yes. Boost me, bitch. Boost me. Oh, yes. Boost me. Boost. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, uh, sorry. All right. Well, that was fucking stupid. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. We told you who was behind the schemes, but you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a screen mail. We'll play it on the show. 612263 612263SXXY. That's 612263799. Very cool. No, that was all on me because I double tapped the fucking button. So mm, it, you gave him the old Clinton, the double tap. Yeah. Oh, well, mm. maybe, maybe, maybe I'll mark that. Cause that was bad. Um, six it's a work in progress folks. Yeah. It's all very new, very fresh for tonight. A new start. It was bad radio, but, uh, what's not bad radio is screen mills. That's the easiest way to help produce this show. You can call in at hit me with that number. 
That number would happen to be, it would happen to have been 612-263-7999. That's 612-263-7999. Call us. Leave a voicemail. We won't actually answer it, right? We're not going to pick up live calls tonight. We're just going to take the screen mails, right? Correct. So just leave a voicemail. You don't have to scream. You can just call in if you have anything you want to say about the topic at hand. If there's any complaint you want to make to Boo Berry, he'd love to hear it. Yeah. 612-263-7999. Please. <laughs> this is what I got to say about your complaints. <laughs> um, we already have one in the can. I'll hit you with this first one. Mm, get one in the can. Uh, so I'm trying to set up my uh, boots to dry against my baseboard here with a piece of plywood. And uh, I want to go for a smoke, but I'm pretty sure it, it keeps falling over. I'm just going to come back to some melted rubber and I got that baseboard. Ah! Oh, Jesus. Mm, oh, that sucks. Mm, got him. Fuck. Got him. Man. Well, I'm sorry to hear that caller. That's uh, nothing like ruining a good pair of boots. Fuck. Lame. Yeah. I remember I remember the last time, color. I remember the last time I ruined a pair of boots. <laughs> That's what I get for going through a rioted cub foods. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Oh what? Uh during the riots there was a cub foods that I went to go check out. And there the was Cub a- Foods, is that a local eatery? It is a grocery store along the lines of a uh, Food Lion, maybe a King Super. Um, okay, it was a big uh, grocery store. Yep, 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 yep. And it was just uh, okay. four inches of water from the sprinkler systems, which is usually already pretty disgusting. Uh, oh, yeah, no, sprinkler water is grotesque. And then you had the mixture of all of this uh, food that had been spilt upon the floor Mixed together, oh and just like mile, not not miles, but just aisle after aisle after aisle, just ransacked food spilled everywhere. This was during the Minneapolis riots, the BLM riots. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow, what a time! I I really wish uh, I could have been a fly on the wall for that whole thing. I would have loved to have witnessed that. San Francisco. Uh, uh, contrary to popular belief, San Francisco is loaded to the gills with military, so nobody can pull that shit around here. They'll get fucking shot. So, I guess Minneapolis it's a little more open, open field. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. It's not uh, not something I will quite ever forget. As it goes, <clears throat> super well. Oh. I like. I really like watching those live feeds. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's I so many. I got footage like that. Uh, remind me, I, I can dig them up for you at some point and share that link if you ever want to see what I got. I know we always <clears throat> we always going to talk about that. If you if you ever have it sitting around, I'd love to see it. So send it my way. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll poke around, see where I stored it at, get it your way. Right on. Um, cool. We should probably go ahead and get to some show action for tonight. Um, now. We have one relatively bigger topic that we're going to talk about, but we also both came loaded to the gill with stories. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, we did. Do we want to do the stories first, or do we want to discuss the the thing? You have any preference? Um, I don't know. I guess discuss the thing. I guess I guess to kind of get to the meat and potatoes, and then see. Well, I don't know. I guess since there isn't a lot of time left in this first half, maybe that would be the reason to go into the stories. Yeah, let's let's hit some stories. Let's hit some stories. All right, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, I can play this clip for you real fast. It's uh, pretty brief, but okay. uh, there was a satellite. Let me go see what the actual satellite was called. Boom! I got too many notes. Uh, the Juno swung by Jupiter's biggest moon. Uh, <laughs> Jupiter's got seventy nine moons, and the moon was called mm-hmm. Ganymede. G-A-N-Y-M-E-D-E. Don't at me, bro. Uh, the waves are focused on... Very famous. Uh, oh, waves was the audio, I guess, uh, system that they were using on Juno. But they were studying Jupiter's magnetosphere. And NASA said that the magnetosphere is the largest object in the solar system. If it glowed in wavelengths visible to the eye, it would appear two to three times the size of the sun or moon. To viewers on Earth, Jupiter's mag- magnetosphere. Yes, or Juno's magnetosphere. Uh, Jupiter's. Jupiter's magnetosphere is twice the size of of the sun. Are they including the sun's magnetosphere? No, no, no. I'm saying if you could see the actual mag- magnetosphere. Oh, I'm fucking that mm-hmm. word up. It would magnetosphere, magnetosphere. Either way, it's both right. They're from both right. if if you if you could see it from Earth. It would appear it two would be twice the size yeah. of the sun and the moon up in the sky. Nice. But uh, NASA used da- uh, data sonification to translate the data into human hearing ranges. The not-so-dulcet tones of the moon won't lull you gently to sleep, but they might trigger memories of the Internet's earlier days when your greatest <laughs> annoyance was mom picking up the cell phone or picking up the phone. Oh, this Dial is up. this is so weird. <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading a quote from an article. Uh, your greatest annoyance was mom picking up the phone while you updated your GeoCities Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan site, <laughs> <laughs> and we're pumping HTML code into your Zanga page. Oh my god! Well, I have a I have a <laughs> recording of that uh, audio. I can play for you right here. Science is real, right? Man, I was just about to figure out with the code, too. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to tap just, in. I'm tapping in. <laughs> I was fucking, I was, I was beautiful mining that shit, man. I was figuring it out. It's, uh, it's pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm no scientist. 
Um, honestly, it kind of sounded like someone screaming the first time I heard it, but that's just me. It sounded to me like, uh, like your, your sci-fi noise, like that you'd hear in a movie, like in, uh, in some old spaceship or something like that. Mm. It's a classic old sci-fi sound. It's interesting. Makes I wonder me- what the, I love to know what the process is. How they develop those sounds. Like what, what goes into it? Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. Um, the other thing that it made me kind of think about was like, well, this, in my mind, only further secures the idea that planets have vibrations and we pick up on them. Oh, of course. Yeah. I really believe that, you know, one of the most famous lines that Tesla ever said was, if you want to think about the universe, you have to think in terms of frequency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's perfectly apt in... A lot of what we explore, I think, is we're always we're always trying to kind of explore the things that we can't quite see, but we can almost see, and we can find ways to sort of see. No doubt. Um, let me hit you with another quick one, unless you want to take over. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 2001 called. <laughs> they want their scheme back. Oh. People got sick at a conspiracy conference. They're sure it's anthrax. <laughs> oh, you got old conspiracy and new conspiracy conflicting. Okay, so here's here's one issue right out the gate that I had with the story. I went looking for a very specific photo, and it's something that I just I I know that I've seen it because I saw it live. Do okay. you remember George Bush Jr. Opening a letter during a live broadcast, and it had, quote-unquote, anthrax all over it. I do remember it being, like, a televised thing. Right. But I'm I'm talking about specifically, like, he made a big motion to open this letter and, like, this powder spread everywhere. I know this is a thing, but I could not find any video or any photo referencing it. Hmm. I couldn't. I don't, I don't remember him doing that uh opening up the anthrax letter and having it like like in um <laughs> like in Annie Hall when Woody Allen has the cocaine and he sneezes and it blows everywhere like like that <laughs> like, I I don't I don't recall a George Bush Annie Hall moment no well, the the chat room is a little or the green room I should say is a little divided double thought said it uh, good thing he got his <laughs> anthrax vaccine. Thanks, Uncle Sam. Sharky said that I just implanted that memory in his head. And Melodious Al says he doesn't recall this at all. Um, mm. It's it's weird. Well, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe it's a Mandela effect thing. I don't know. But um, there was a Reawaken America tour that was going on in Dallas. And uh, shortly after the event... <laughs> One of the guys there, Joel Altman, whoever the fuck that is, does a podcast, Conservative Daily, said he was 99.9% sure that it was anthrax. Uh, But Vice said nobody had tested positive. Uh, One dude, Hoven, Joven, G, or sorry, J-O-V-A-N, Pulitzer, said that uh, he he was reporting body lesions and weeping skin as a symptom. Hmm. Quote. And that was then, though. 
That was that's that's old news, right? That's that was in the George Bush Jr. days. No, this is this is recent. This is from uh December twenty second, twenty twenty one. Oh wow. Sorry. Um and I got uh you know, there's a whole thread if if you guys are interested in checking it out, the, this Twitter deconstruction uh about it in the show notes. Did anybody actually die of anthrax during that time with George Bush Jr.? I don't think anyone actually died. I don't remember. I know they kept finding them, and I also know that it was like a U.S. strain of anthrax that they kept finding. Yeah, and then the anthrax was tied back to a domestic, like, you know, lab-produced strain. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole thing, I mean, later in life, when it happened, it was before I was really into into this sort of realm, and I just took it for granted. And I was like, yeah, great. Terrorists are sending us anthrax. That sucks. Yeah. And then now... It's kind of funny how retroactively you look back and you're like, oh, Jesus, I missed that one. I missed this one. Here's a here's a quote from the Vice article. This is hilarious. I I died laughing after Altman uh, made his initial claim. Other conspiracy minded folk highlighted a video from the event that showed a fog machine operating during the conference, suggesting that this is how the anthrax was spread, <laughs> ignoring the fact that no anthrax re- uh, outbreak had been reported by the CDC. <laughs> Just the idea that someone's pouring anthrax into a fog machine. I don't know why that's so funny to me. I don't know. Because you know I picture them like a terrorist dressing up as a roadie. Yeah. You know, behind a metal. Be like, oh, no one will ever know. I'm putting the anthrax. I don't know. There's something very strange about it. <laughs> As NetNed says, more people probably died at anthrax concerts than have died from anthrax. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've decided to not only ruin my day, but every other person's day here in this venue. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I can be the biggest piece of shit in the world? I think, uh, like, things like that, like, going to concerts and hurting people, there's a special place in hell for you. Yeah. Most definitely. Oh, my God. And you know, <laughs> when I was touring with Disney on Ice, I was like, I want to put... I'm going to put vape fluid in one of these fog machines and see what happens. <laughs> they had those or big, maybe like uh, psilocybin mushroom. Oh, there you go. You know, there you something go. like that. You know, get everyone tripping out. Maybe put acid in the fog machine. Hey there. <laughs> this is, That's an idea. I don't know what it would be like to inhale acid. Ugh. I can tell you it won't be pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> And it won't be short. Oh, my God. <laughs> it will be painful, and it will last a very long time. It won't be painful, but it will be miserable, and it will last a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something uh, <laughs> something else that's not going to last a long time is apparently Broadway. Uh, oh, yeah, you better believe that. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty because basically everybody messed up. Everybody's got the vaccinations. Everybody's testing weekly. Yeah, shows are still closing down left and right. Actually, today I heard matter. I heard about a unnamed tour from an unnamed source saying that they had twenty four people go down with COVID. Twenty four. Mother- they tested positive, or they got sick. Uh, well, I think I don't know. I don't know, but I'm gonna go ahead and lean towards they probably got sick with the way this Omicron is shaking out. Um. 
Yeah, okay. I, you know, honestly, I don't really know. Omokronik arimasuka. But, um. I got some good Omicronic. Where's that Omicronic? Omicronic. Omicronic. Um, yeah, and this whole, I think this is a medium article, like, goes into how the producers are fucking over the performers and the crews because they're not paying them living wages and all that. I was like, what does this have to do with show closures? Um, Oh, they also say this weird thing that the tours only exist so they don't have to pay the touring actors union wages, even though there's union actors out on the road. Not for every show, but for a good chunk of them. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, there's plenty of shows mm. that, that go that uh, use the. Uh, oh, my God. It's not it's not SAG. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the film actors oh, guild. Um... Equity. Equity, thank you. I don't know why I was a blank in there. Um, because you're high, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> you're vaping that acid again, aren't you? You're hitting that vape juice again, aren't you, kid? Let's see. Moulin Rouge was canceled uh, following one single positive test. And Hamilton, I'll just go through these shows that are experiencing closures. Hamilton, MJ the Musical, Jagged Little Pill. Actually... I think, oh, it was canceled. No, I'm sorry. I think Jagged Little Pill did close. This might be an outdated article. Um, Ain't Too Proud, Freestyle Love Supreme, Doubtfire, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Tina. And uh, I I definitely have seen more pop up on the uh, feed bag. Haven't really Mm -hmm. been paying too much attention because, well, you should have been following safety protocols, bro. I don't know what else to tell you. Broadway is going through hell and a half. Um, not only is it, of course, the epicenter of liberal crazy land where it doesn't matter if everybody is vaccinated, it just still isn't enough. You still have to wear a mask. You still have to cancel every time you get a false positive and all this shit. In the heat of all the craziness with the most crazy people, Broadway people are the most liberal, the most just in a fantasy world. I mean, especially in musical theater. The kind of person who goes into musical theater professionally, and I'm talking to this on a performance level, not mm-hmm. on a trade level or on a technical level, but the actors who go into musical theater are a very specific kind of person. They are very flamboyant and and flashy and showy, and they like to think of the world in a very fantastical way that usually really doesn't fucking reflect reality. And they're very, very wrapped up in like to them if they lived in a perfect world we'd all sing and dance at the fucking grocery store you know <laughs> like th- this is this is the way that these people think that you know, the world should work funny enough tiktok allows them to do that they do fucking do that mm-hmm. and then you know and the nurses and all of them they all seem to just love dancing a lot and i have nothing against dancing dancing's fun but to make it your personality is um difficult and, yeah. and, and, and not to say it's difficult you, you know it's a free country you can do what you want but these people have a big voice and they use that voice and they talk about politics all the time these actors and these hollywood types you know there's a lot of overlap there and just the the element that you actually see because of course there's so much more behind the scenes that you don't see mm. and there's the not only on the ground with the with the tech and the crew but you also have the production aspect 
You have the administrative aspect. You have the money men. Oh, uh, people are railing on the Broadway producers. Uh, that was that was one other point that they made in this article is that the I guess the producers are saying that because so many people are are, are having to call out because of COVID positive results, a lot of understudies and swings are having to to uh, step up and take over the roles, and that's why people don't want to come see the shows. It's because of the understudies, mm-hmm. and that causes huge fucking tissy fit with the. Uh, uh, people on feedback. It's like, no, it's not the understudies or the swings. They work really hard. Um, yeah. So you've got that in squabbling. So you've got half of them who really, really, really wanted to see X, Y, Z, you know, in right. this role because they just crushed it. And, I, and now I have to see their stupid understudy. And there's a, there's a level of fanaticism. That's not unlike the, the 50 and 60 year old men. I know that pay attention to college football and will follow a small boy from when he's 14 years old until he's a full grown man in the NFL. Right. <laughs> he will, <laughs> you know, monitor everything about this guy. That's the kind of intensity and energy that some people bring to Broadway where they just, they worship these stars that you'll, that you've never heard of until they get on TV and then you've heard of them. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah I can't head. imagine being in that industry is just so fucking virtue signaling. I, I can't imagine them making it. Oh, dude. Okay, so again, unnamed source. Um, they told me uh, they got connected to a feedback group that features upwards of six thousand members, and I guess there's one uh, unifying trait that all of these people are experiencing at this very moment. They got, uh, they got double jabbed boosted i think they got covid or they got they got double boosted and then either or sorry they got double jabbed and then covid or double jab boosted covid and then their hair started falling uh falling out and from what i how many people are in this group six thousand six thousand okay and um this person was like Honestly, this sounds like these people are experiencing the side effects of chemotherapy. Very, very mm-hmm. incredibly spooky. Um, and it's not, I've not heard it in relation to the actual COVID vaccinations, but Sir Sir Seatsitter had a guest on who's going to be joining him Wednesday, oddly enough. So I was telling telling this friend about um, this guest that Sir Sir Seatsitter has had on before, and she had gotten the Gardasil shot. And that ended up happening to her where all of her hair ended up falling out because of the shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm telling his friend and then I'm, ta- I'm texting Cersei Seat Sitter a little later. And lo and behold, he's having this guest on. It was very synchronistic and spooky. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to I'm trying to find out what that group is. And I will report back when I have more information. But uh, as it stands that now. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, this is what I've heard. And like, you remember... Last year, they had that uh, David Martin dude who was like, oh, this is chemotherapy. It's chemotherapy. The shots are chemotherapy. But he had never really explained why it was chemotherapy. Now I'm starting to, like, scratch my chin hairs just a little more. I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Very bizarre. I mean, I I have some idea of... I've, I've known people who've gone through chemo. And... um I mean, obviously, your hair falling out is one thing, but to me, chemo is just about injecting yourself constantly with 
stuff with. Uh, <clears throat> you're trying to irradiate yourself, and you're constantly just pumping yourself full of shit right. all day long. And um, I'm wondering how they can accomplish that with three or four shots. I don't know. That'd be very interesting. I'd like to look into that. I mean, you know, like sounds it, bizarre, but it's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything is out of uh, out of question at this point. No, never is really. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't want to take. Uh, I I do have two sets of clips. We can do one of them. We can do neither one of them. I'll let you know what they are, and then you can pick if you would like. Um. I have one about Anderson uh, Anderson Cooper confronted a conspiracy theorist who believed he eat babies. Uh, or I have a guy that built a mask gun. It's a gun that will launch masks at people's faces. Mm, so this mask gun guy. Did you, did you see, we'll, I'll pick in a second, but did you see this Anderson Cooper with, uh, what is his name, Andy Cohen thing? No. The drunk NYE thing? No. Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen is a big time producer. I think he's produced like uh The Bachelorette and all that shit. Like he invented all that. I'm trying to remember. Uh yeah, what happens, Andy Cohen? Real hot real housewives. Um top chef. He's a big, big time Hollywood producer and he's he's uh well known that he's gay and he's been on He's kind of been famous for going on Howard Stern a lot, and he'll like talk about raunchy shit on Howard Stern. But he's a real big Hollywood personality, and he was uh, hanging out with Anderson Cooper on New Year's Eve, and he basically had a drunken rant about how shitty Biden is. Nice. <laughs> and Anderson Cooper fucking blew a lid and was just trying to like keep it all, keep it all on the fucking god on the down low. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, I gotta find that clip. But he's just like, why would you? Anderson's like, why would you talk about this on New Year's Eve? Like, why would you like bring us up? Like, gonna... don't you know January sixth is right around the no, corner? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, January sixth, right around the corner. <laughs> Three days to be one year. One year today. Uh, it wasn't about Biden. That's right. Melody sells Tom. Tom was telling it's about De Blasio. So they were bitching about the mayor, the mayor of New York, uh, Mayor De Blasio. It was just calling de Blasio one of the worst fucking mayors of all time. And it was like, or no, not the, not the mayor, the governor. Sorry, the governor of New York, right? De Blasio is the governor. He's the mayor. It was uh, Cuomo. But I, I don't know. I don't remember. Cuomo the, was the mayor. And now no, it's, Cuomo was the governor. Uh, oh, he now was the governor. And now there's okay. that new chick who says, you know, if you love your family, you'll get vaccinated. If you love God, you'll get vaccinated. Uh, Kathy Hochul. Oh, okay. Hochul. Kathy Hochul. Hochul, yeah. And then de, de Blasio is the mayor. Okay. He's the so, one with yeah. the fries. He's the one eating the vaccination fries. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, they've talked about de Blasio a lot on No Agenda, and it, it, it takes me a little while to catch up on all my East Coast politics because it's 3,000 miles away, and Oh. They're all just a bunch of Italian guys. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Either. One additional fact check. Eric Adams is now the current mayor, so de Blasio is a former mayor. Yeah, de Blasio's out, and they were like, thank God. That's what Andy Cohen was doing. He's like, thank God he's out of here. Jesus Christ, what a loser. <laughs> and, and Anderson Cooper's just like, oh, I don't know why. Oh, we have to be talking about this. Anyway, oh. I should have pulled a clip for you. But let's, uh, let's listen to Andy Cooper and 
uh, bitch about something. All right. So this, uh, this first one gets into a little bit of his family history, which I thought was kind of interesting, talking about the Vanderbilts. We're here with Anderson Cooper. Uh, so this book is about your mom's side you of the You know, family. I was told that you guys didn't have a copy of the book, so I actually stopped at Barnes & Noble down the block as I was coming here, ran in, bought a copy, and then came here. That's so embarrassing. You bought your own yes, book? Yes, I did. Yes. Imagine selling I, I got a Anderson Cooper's own like, book. Um, do you have a copy of the book with you? Because they don't have one. I'm like... What, like I walk around with my book like a schmuck? Did you, fi- like, did you find it right away or did I you just happen to walk around the city like, hey, Anderson Cooper's got a new book? The worst would be if you walked around like this. <laughs> just like to make sure people saw. I'm going to pause right there. If you go look in the show notes, I think I can actually drop a link to this. They do this weird fucking zoom in on uh, who is a Seth Meyers as he's holding up the book and on the back cover of the uh, hard copy that they're, uh, that they're showing off. Do you see anything strange? <laughs> it's a, it's a, I, I think it's a portrait of, Oh, uh, it's Crowley. You think, well, Oh, I don't know who it is. I don't, Looks it's just like Crowley. I don't think it's Anderson Cooper. Uh, maybe it's someone from his family. <laughs> maybe he's related to Crowley, but just the fact that the, uh, the uh, sleeve for the book covers up half of that dude's face. I mean, it's covers up the half the eye. Uh, yeah, it's pretty creepy there. Yeah. But that's what this is, you know. Satanic black magic. Sick shit. So we'll get to, uh, get back into some <laughs> Vanderbilt action. To make sure people saw it was you. Um, this is your mom's side of the family. Yes. The Vanderbilt. Yes. For those who don't know the history... Uh, yeah, they, uh, the, this guy, Commodore Cornelius Vanderbilt, made a ton of money in the late 1800s. Uh, he uh, started with nothing and built a steamship empire and then a railroad empire. You can see a statue of him outside Grand Central Station, which, by the way, he built for himself. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> when you got a little extra scratch yeah. lying around, right. why not? It yeah. wasn't like a grateful city built a statue for him. He was like, you know what? I'll do it myself. Don't worry about it. I got it. I got this. Much like you, he actually went to the statue store and bought it. <laughs> he was like, do you have a, do you have a Cornelius? <laughs> Carried it out. And so the, the book is really just about this. I mean, when he died, he was the richest man in the world. He had uh, one out of every $20 that was in circulation was his. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I'm wondering where it went. But um, but that's what yeah, the book is really it about. It's about, yeah. I never wanted anything to do with that side of the family. I, I, I felt like no good could come from it. And I was really interested in sort of how the pathology his money obsession how it infected subsequent generations in the family he has no idea where the money went no idea Man, I, <laughs> I just realized just you showing me this clip i just realized that one of the characters in the movie that we're going to discuss later is totally based on him oh i'm excited i'm excited I, Totally just fucking realized it. But yeah, this guy. And if anyone doesn't know, Anderson Cooper descended from Cornelius Vanderbilt, who was considered one of the first like millionaires, I suppose, or one of the no, I don't know if he was the first millionaire, but he was he was an extremely wealthy guy. I bet he was company was worth millions, but there's a great doc on history right now about him and about a couple other guys. And Rockefeller was just on his heels. As a matter of fact, Rockefeller would have wouldn't have been the same without Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt kind of gave him his start because he built up this big rail empire and eventually took over New York and was the rail king of New York. And um, when Rockefeller started distributing kerosene and, and all that stuff, he made an exclusive deal with Vanderbilt and they both helped each other out. And it's a, it's a, it's a small club. <laughs> if, if you look at the real history of it, yeah, they worked hard or whatever and they did their thing, but 
There's no rules. They were just cutthroat dudes. And um, at a certain point, you kind of wonder how these guys got so lucky. <laughs> a certain degree. But they're real pieces of shit. I mean, real pieces of shit. No rules back then. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Yeah. Um, Very much so. So this next clip, it's not as interesting. It talks about uh, Anderson Cooper starting an Instagram for his mother because she's a painter. And I guess Anderson Cooper goes on to portray Monica on Instagram, who is like the his mother's art dealer, but it's actually Anderson Cooper. Um, so we might skip that one. Hmm. You know, it's like, eh. Um, bizarre though. Just, just another insight into how bizarre the whole thing is. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah, I don't know. He's talking about, uh, you know, being halfway across the world and then like, uh, Afghanistan or something and selling art on Instagram in between stories that he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Seth makes the comments like, Oh, so you set your mom up on the internet. And the first thing she did was lie. <laughs> Um, i like seth meyer you know like i like him enough i I like him a lot more than fucking the other guys that's for sure like if i had to objectively select my the the least bad uh late night guy it'd probably be seth mm. um, just because he seems like a normal dude yeah i you know who i miss colin ferguson Oh God, Craig Ferguson. Or sorry, Craig Ferguson. Craig, Thank you, dude. Don't even give me start, man. Craig Ferguson was the greatest. The greatest. Could there's you, only three. There's only three, and he's one of them. Could you even the other say being Carson? And, was it? No, no. Oh, he wasn't the greatest of all time, but he was the greatest of our time. Nice. I can dig that. And nobody nobody's has come since him that has been better than him. Well, this uh, last clip, uh, Seth and Anderson enter, end up talking about uh, conspiracy theorists that believe that he eats babies. It's a little cuey, mm. if you ask me. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'll actually use that as a transition. You've done something fascinating. Um, you have actually uh, interacted with some people who got very deep in this QAnon world. Yes. Uh, to the point that they had and embraced conspiracy theories about you. Like yes. some really horrifying things. Yeah. And yeah. how did you end up reaching out and, and talking to one of them? Um, well, one of them, there was a person in a documentary that CNN was doing about QAnon. And this guy, I think he was in Australia, who believed that I ate babies. Yeah. And um, currently. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, and that was just one of the QAnon beliefs... Wait, currently, as in, <laughs> can we take that back for a second? <laughs> Rewind, enhance. All right. Who believe that I ate babies. Yeah. And um, currently, and currently, <laughs> I currently mm. eat babies. Or I currently don't eat babies. I'm on a diet. <laughs> Look, it was a long time ago. Okay, people. <laughs> Honestly. Um, oh, God. Where is it? You know what? You know what that reminds me of? One day you're fucking a pig head at college, and the next you're the prime minister of England. <laughs> <laughs> and you can quote me on that. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a domino. It's a it's a nice little stream of dominoes, okay? Also, he top. had to go to Australia to find someone that believed in Q. 
He couldn't, I don't know, like go to Japan. Couldn't go to like Brazil. He couldn't even stay here in the States. Some <laughs> homegrown Q. Yeah. People still don't get Q. I don't know if anybody really gets Q or knows what it is, which is fun. It's fun for everybody to act like they know what they're talking about. Yeah. It's great. The, uh, on all, you know, so there's also something else that when he, when he talked about Australia, if, um, if you'd ever heard stories about Nicole Kidman's dad, who was accused of child trafficking several times, um, I know Carl mm-hmm. Wood has had, uh, one of his quote unquote alleged victims on his show before, but, uh, it's just, that's, you know, in relation to this child sex trafficking in Australia, it wouldn't be my first go-to country to like defend my argument. No, if, if it was hap- if it were happening, it'd be happening there. Yeah. All right. So no doubt about it. Here's the rest of the clip. Currently, and, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and that was just one of the QAnon beliefs. You know, I mean, it's just it's insane. It's based on age-old, like, anti-Semitic tropes uh, and anti-Catholic tropes, the whole thing. Oh, of, like, here we go. You know, blood here libel, go. Jews eating the blood, you know, drinking the blood of children. That blood libel that here we go. Here we go. all about. Jesus Christ. It's anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. The Nazis said that. That's what QAnon believes as well. But the it's Nazis all celebrities it. and people on television. And uh, yeah, so I interviewed the guy. I because he's now the first guy had now renounced his beliefs, and I wanted to know, like, did you genuinely believe this that I like was eating babies? And he was like, Yeah, I, I yeah, I did. And he was like, I'm sorry. He seemed like a nice guy. I was yeah. like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was like, no, don't don't make any definite decisions. See how, you know. I mean, those moments must be nice, but obviously they're few and far between, right? <laughs> the night is still young. <laughs> like, yes. we, I feel like there's not a wave of people renouncing Q&A. No, no, no. I did. I've interviewed another guy who uh, reached out to me on, on direct message to tell me that I was going to be executed. I think it was last March in Washington. And uh, I was like, I mean, does he really think this? And so I actually reached out. I was like, you know, how do you, why, why, why that date? I was just sort of curious. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, we started talking and he seemed interested in talking and I ended up interviewing him and, and it was fascinating. You know, he had a family, he had a, a life and he believes the Vatican has fallen and the Pope has been arrested and that Joe Biden is not president, but it's somebody in a costume that looks like Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Anderson. I'm looking forward to finding out which one of you guys is right. <laughs> <laughs> That fucking laugh. So gross. The laugh of I've never had to do. I mean, the guy, I'll give him credit. The guy works hard. He's he's a workaholic. You can tell. But I mean, this guy's got his head so far up his fucking ass. And the the whole thing, it's the lowest common denominator thing. They have to find the dumbest fucking person on the street and then associate every single bit of opposition that they've ever faced in their entire life. Every single bit of criticism that they've ever had to face, and they equate it with this dumb, almost lifeless person, this person that almost just barely exists. They exist, but it's not the norm. It's not the majority. It's it's somebody that unfortunately does exist. And this is, again, this is what they do. They just find the dumbest person, and they focus on that. And they completely ignore 90% of everything else that's going on. Yeah, I, I you know I also don't understand. I, I mean, 
I don't think that there's uh, a dude running around as Biden. Uh, have we seen some maybe deep fake stuff from Biden? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there was well, plenty- I heard the, the body double thing, which is probably legit. I mean, you can't be, you know, sometimes they'll throw in a body double. It's not the first time they've done it. But then it's that wouldn't like- make it a costume. Ugh. You know what well, I'm saying? Him being dumbass, him, him equating, like him taking this information and then just completely misconstruing it. Yeah. But- oh, the Vatican, for example. And you know this motherfucker knows about the Vatican. You oh, know yeah. this motherfucker knows about the Vatican. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's the whole fucking, that's the linchpin, baby. That's the thing. So for him to act, oh, the, this guy thinks the Pope's a ghost and all. It's just like, shut the fuck up, you moron. You know dude, people are talking about? Yeah. So that's uh, that about, uh, I mean, that's what I got for the Anderson Pooper. Um, Anderson Poopwad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely equate him to a character that we're going to bring up later. Nice. I can dig it. Um, I shall, uh, well, let me just quick touch on this. If you guys want to see a dude turn a, what would you describe this? It's a, uh, air driven mask launcher with four fucking weights on the end of the ties for a mask that will bolo around someone's neck. Um, he ends up testing it on a, uh, gel bust of a person's head and gets a little too excited when it works on the first try. Um, I got lots of photos if you don't want to bother watching the video, but he is the same genius that brought us the vaccine gun from last year. Servo and I had a big old shit fit over this guy fucking Mm. built a gun that would, uh, shoot (laughs) would shoot hypodermic needles, essentially. (laughs) Like the, uh, that reminds me of the, the medic gun from TF2. I never played team fortress. Oh, I never played TF2? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, medic was my class, and if you wanted to go in the offensive as a medic, you had your syringe gun. It was actually a an automatic syringe rifle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was sweet. So, yeah. Ah, TF2. R.I.P. Yeah, we got that video posted. Uh, check it out if you would like, and uh, it's yours. Take yeah. it away. Okay. Well, I think now would probably be a... I mean, unless you want to keep going, we go to intermission now. But but uh, let's see. I, I can I can round off one last thing before we squeeze off to intermission. Uh, apparently, and this is all available in the show notes. It was raining fish in the city of Texarkana oh, uh, a couple yeah. days ago. So, according to the, the according to this James Odersish, who works at a used car dealership told KZN News at around 4.30 p.m. Him and his co-worker Brad heard loud noises. They looked outside, and they were shocked to see that fish were slapping on the sidewalk from above. Uh, so I guess this is a, a, a weather phenomenon that can happen sometimes uh, in eastern Texas. Uh, the city told residents on a Facebook post that the rare and bizarre sighting was not a trick or a joke. And explained that aquatic creatures can sometimes get swept up in strong storms, and um, and that's that. And so the then so the strong storms pick up the fish, and then they drop the fish. I so wish that someone set up a nature mic for that <laughs> the sound of what fish hitting the pavement. <laughs> 
big slip slap. I'd like to know what kind of fish. I bet you uh, somebody who is skilled, some biologist uh, who specializes in fish, could probably look at the fish and be like, oh, these fish were swept up from the such and such gulf or from the such and such ocean or sea and uh, were carried here. Mm. So I thought that's fun. And it was very biblical, of course. You know, the Bible is all about things raining down. You get your frogs. Isn't water. You get your lotus. Yeah. Locusts. You I got your say. blood. You got your mana. You got your all kinds of shit rains in the in the Bible. So Sodom and, Sodom and Gomorrah gets nuked. Oh yeah, they get blasted. They get <laughs> mega blasted. God looked down and he said, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> exactly oh man the great city of Texarkana which is of course the border of Texas and Arkansas Texarkana that's a a good word I like that word I do too I do too Uh, what else I got I got oh sorry what's that no I was uh, checking for some voicemails but uh, go on go 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 I was just saying uh, another funny thing. And that's not funny. It's very sad. Uh, another triple boosted COVID warrior has died from a heart attack uh, one day after dropping a video on how, you know, selfish everyone is for not getting the shot or whatever. This guy happened to be the deputy Asia editor for the New York Times. His name is Carlos Tejada. Oh, I and heard about this I've gentleman. I've got a New York Times article in the show notes that talks about their colleague who um, literally like the day before he died, he dropped a video that was like a satire video and I didn't clip it because it was fucking annoying. But um, basically it was like, you guys suck. Everybody sucks. They should, I, you know, whatever. If you don't get the prick, then you're a prick and all this shit. And <laughs> You know, I've been quadruple vaxxed and all this shit. And then, of course, he dies the next day at 49 from uh, a heart attack, which seems to be the sort of thing that everybody's kind of looking at. I mean, this seems to be one of the main negative side effects from the COVID vaccine is it seems to cause heart issues. Um, and all of these heart issues are, are very much being censored and covered up, just like the just like the hair thing, I imagine, is being covered up. But with this guy, it just it was particularly ironic because this guy was like just another Captain COVID who fucking gets macked out by mysterious circumstances. And I won't say that it absolutely was the vaccine. I'm just saying these these stories just keep popping up more and more every day. And this kind of led me down a rabbit hole where I was looking into the athlete collapsing phenomenon where we have had an absurd amount of athletes collapse um, and in many cases die from cardiac arrest on the field um, in 2020 and 2021. And I, I kind of looked at some data and I need to look at it more because I don't want to come out here and start throwing around a bunch of numbers without absolutely substantiating them as best I can. I don't want to throw out a bunch of ignorant numbers, but just from what I saw, I found some, some raw data from 2019 uh, that said that there were 20 fatalities among American football players at all levels. So that's professional college, high school, middle school, and youth league. Um, 20 fatalities in 2019. 
three on the field, 14 uh, off the field, but in, in like practice situations. And then another three that were completely off the field that were, you know, seizures or um, dying in their sleep or whatever. So there's 20 fatalities then. And from what I saw in 2021, there were only 19 deaths. Um, although the, the cause had shifted. So even though there was the same, roughly the same amount of fatalities, almost all of the fatalities that I saw from the data were heart-related. Hmm. Whereas all the direct fatalities involved, there are almost no direct fatalities. Actually, from what the data I saw, there's no direct fatality. But the ones that do happen on the field are mostly, if not always, from brain injuries or some sort of spinal injury. Like, uh, Whereas, like a blunt force trauma. Yeah, like a blunt force, like a contusion or a, you know, some really, really bad head injury. That's usually how... In football, in specific, we're talking about specifically American football because we could cover so many different sports with this data. But this is just what I focused on just for this episode. So most of them is brain contusions, but all of them so far this year have been heart related. From from what I've seen, so I'd like to I'd like to confirm that I'd like to look into that data a little more because Lord knows there's a lot of fucking data and and what I do have available, of course, is available in the show notes. Um, and you can see it for yourself. Um, the, uh, trying to see here. Where did I get the, I got the, the data for the 2019 data from an annual survey, of football fatalities that was issued by, oh, it was issued by the national center for catastrophic sport injury research, which was a joint effort among uh, several colleges that tried to collect that data. So, the data is as, as sound as I think it can be, given the context. Um, so, like I said, we're going to look into that. Keep an eye on that. But I also posted in the, in the notes another website that links to all of the 397, 405 athletic cardiac, car, athlete cardiac arrests, which uh, occurred in 2021. After which happened directly after the athlete got a COVID shot, and out of those four hundred and five injuries, two hundred thirty-seven are dead. So brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah, brought to you by Pfizer. So it's a big number, and I would like to compare those numbers with with years before. Um, But just from what I've seen from my little deep dive into American football, the numbers are are similar so far, but the cause has changed. So it's, it's a strange thing. I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure it out and sort it out in my head. And if anybody has any ideas, feel free to uh, hit me up at lavishblast at gmail.com, or you can call us at 612-263-7999, and you can share your opinion on the matter or any of the opinions that we've shared or facts that we've shared this evening. Um, I Do you think that, uh, who, who would you, who would you call it? I guess the scientist, do you think the scientists would hide how many heart attack numbers there are? Cause surely they're not counting. Um, uh, well, let's just say, let's just say half the, the behind the schemes official numbers, half of the deaths are not being counted as COVID from a post vaccination. Do you think mm-hmm. that they would try and hide how many heart attacks, for example, if the number of heart attacks this year was 
<clears throat> significantly higher than last year were, you know, just to surmise or uh, taking an educated guess. Do you think that they would try and taper those numbers off, cook the books? I think they would, but I think it's such a big world and there's the numbers are coming from so many different places and sources that it's the reporting of the numbers that's the most important. Like the numbers themselves, the scientists and the doctors aren't hiding the numbers. They're reporting the numbers as they see it. That's their job. It's unfortunately our job to collect the numbers and to interpret that data. And if we let CNN and Fox News and all these guys do that for us, then we don't get anything other than what they're putting down the pipeline. But the but, the doctors are still, you know, even the fucking, even Fauci had that clip where they were talking about how children being admitted to the hospital is not always just about COVID. Turns out that kids get hospitalized for all sorts of stuff, and it's just when they happen to get tested, they're counted as a COVID-positive person. Because everybody gets tested. Everybody who goes to the hospital for any serious condition is tested. Anyone who goes to the ER is tested. Anybody, if you if you go in for anything other than a routine checkup, you are going to get tested for right. COVID. So um, I don't. I guess I would consider that um, the hospitals kind of fudging the numbers a little bit, but maybe it's because the government's telling them to. Well, there's the hospital situation, but th- this is a very visual, very public thing. Especially with soccer players, um, which is something that I haven't delved into, but there are a lot of soccer players that are dropping on the field and dying. Sponsored and by no, Pfizer. There's, there's no hiding that. You know, doctors can't hide that. It's on TV. Right. And all of these super cuts are coming out and all of this data is coming out because it happens over and over and over and over and over. That And... According to this data that I've got, most of these guys who do die, or most of the guys who fall, more than fifty percent of the of the soccer players who fall and have sudden cardiac uh, cardiac arrest, more than fifty percent of them die ultimately within that day or a couple of days, and that is not something that is typical. That's not. I mean, back in the eighties, when soccer players were doing meth and cocaine all day long, in the days of Maradona, you didn't have guys doing that. So what what is the deal? Mm. What is the cause? It can't be ignored, and and it can't be hidden either. If these if these people keep dying, and then with the kids, that the when I look into the American high school stats, that's where it gets a little iffy because it's not. It's much different for a high school athlete to report their full medical case and to have a doctor be around to actually provide that you know, sort of whatever, whether it's an autopsy or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's much more difficult to get that information on young people. You got families involved, right? Money involved, professional athletes. You can't hide it. You know, your favorite football player for your favorite football club fucking died on TV. <laughs> He's gone. So <laughs> it's a, it's a very, very strange thing that's going on now. And uh, according to Gary Dempsey, he was a professional for nearly 20 years, football player, played nearly 500 games, club and, and international level, and never in his 20 years was there ever one cardiac arrest uh, on the field between a, a crowd, between a player or the crowd. 
So 1996 on, it's, it's a, it is a bizarre fucking thing that's going on and, and nobody, it's, it's tough to acknowledge because a lot of the liberal people I don't think are sports fans. (laughs) I don't think they care. (laughs) You know, they don't know. Um, so yeah, I just threw in a couple bits like that. The, um, the, the super cut of the headlines, it's certainly disturbing. Um, yeah and then this uh this life insurance thing the indiana life insurance ceo says deaths are up 40 percent among working age people that's a, that's people between 18 and 64 um 40 up 40 percent from pre-covid levels that's uh i think the the ceo said in a in a in the event of a catastrophe like a say a hurricane Katrina, you're going to see 10%, 40% up. And it's not just from COVID and COVID related stuff. Colds. I mean, we're talking about overdoses, car crashes, suicides, homicides. It's all up massively. Yeah. So, eh, you know, just take it easy out there, everybody. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty wily. Uh, out there. And I think it's strange that people just seem to ignore all of this blatant shit that's in their face. And I'm, I can't wait to tie that into what we're going to talk about in our second, second half of the show. Uh, one quick, uh, line from this article, the center square, most of the claims for deaths being filed are not classified as COVID-19 deaths. The CEO said spooky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not even COVID. It's it's all the other shit. Yeah, homicide, suicide, overdose. Fuck. I mean, I know I don't know anybody who's died from COVID, but I do know people who, since COVID, have died in car accidents and from drug overdoses. Friends of mine, relatives of mine. So personally, I see the the impact of that much more than I see of any COVID of any disease. The lockdown that damage. That is what affects my world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's real. That's very real. And and for people to disregard that and consider COVID as more real than that is delusional. Should I cheer you up with a scream mill? I would love that. I would love that. Hmm. I think this is a two-parter. Um, you guys were talking about the late night, uh, TV shows, man, in the eighties, like, uh, when you had Carson leading into, uh, Letterman late night, like in the summer when I be able to stay up late and then <laughs> was so great. be able to sneak out later <laughs> and watch TV. And that's always what I watched was, uh, those two, especially like, uh, we had a cabin in, uh, Northern Michigan, uh, and that was one of the NBC was one of the few channels that we got there via antenna because it was so kind of you know there wasn't many stations up there. You were pulling a broadcast from a long ways, but um, stay up late and watch that. And then I used to stay with my uncle who lived. Uh, my parents had a place on a lake, and then I got two uncles that to this day still live up there. Uh, that were about, uh, I don't know, about a mile from us, two miles. Um, 
And when I'd stay with the other uncle up there, I'd stay up late and watch uh, Letterman or watch Carson and then leading into Letterman. It was always, it was just, it was like magical. I don't know if it's just because you're yeah. that young and it was special, but uh, yeah, just because uh, Carson was kind of that, like that straight man uh, here and there with that edge. Uh, and then you would let in the Letterman, who was kind of like, kind of wacky, crazy. He had like Larry Bud Melvin, uh, uh. that he had that was kind of crazy. And then, uh, Biff was kind of later. He used to do a lot of skits with, uh, oh, uh, God, what the fuck is his name? Chris, uh, shit. I can't think of his name now. He used to be on there all the time. Uh, had a television show for a while. It was on Fox. Oh, why do I forget his freaking name? Anyways, just the gasp and everything and leading from Carson. Oh, Chris Elliott? Letterman, it was just like magical. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like there's anything like that anymore. I don't know if it's because of the proliferation of late night shows or just how many channels there are and the options, but yeah. I don't think you'll ever, uh, you'll ever get anything like that again. Rogan's kind of, you know, close to uh, interview-wise and stuff like that. It's very interesting, but right. You know, I never, uh, I never really got into Letterman, but um, I guess we weren't, or I wasn't watching a lot of uh, TV late at night. Mm, yeah, I, I think I did watch a lot of TV growing up. It was. Just slightly before my time, but I was very, very well aware and very much enamored by the Carson-Letterman combo. And Carson would have on, you know, the most unbelievable guests. He'd have on, in the late 80s, early 90s, he'd have on Sinatra. And he'd have on Don Rickles. He'd have on all these great, great guys. Uh, Carl Reiner. And then it was... It was really classy and it was really cool and and you know my parents fucking loved it because they grew up on it and it was very like classy and cool. And then you go to Letterman, you would cut to Letterman, and Letterman would like dress up in a Velcro suit and jump onto a Velcro wall just to see if he could, you know. And that was like part of the, you know, like he was so off the wall, so funny, and he'd crank call people and he'd fucking he's just like he's so so much fun and. It it is it, it's a spontaneity in it that that is lacking nowadays. There's not a lot of spontaneity in, in any sort of media or any sort of entertainment. Um, everything's just so <laughs> locked in. I yeah. almost I almost brought a uh, oh I, maybe I sent it to you. It was a uh, <clears throat> Jimmy Kimmel clip about a uh, <laughs> they did a uh, Mike Lindell my pillow yeah. commercial, and it was just like ugh. I hated it. When you sent me that, I was like, there's no way we're opening with this, because I, I, I can't stand Kimmel anymore. Kimmel is <laughs> just so far gone into this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and Kimmel, like, came from a place where he, shit, Kimmel was on The Man Show with Adam Carolla. You don't think they had a little spontaneity on that fucking show, a little creative license, you know? That's that's what it's all about. Early Letterman, that's what it was all about. Rogan. That's what it's all about. The reason why I loved Rogan in the beginning was because it was like, finally I could listen to a show where there was actually a risk of somebody hitting a bong in the middle of it or hitting a joint. 
Right. Or, you know, hey, boys, let's let's bust out some whiskey and have a good time. Like, that is, that's what's missing. That's That was what was so prevalent in Sinatra. And in, you know, even going back to, like, I don't know, Dean Martin and, and Jerry Lewis. Just the fucking, like, drunken debauchery fun that was a part of it. And, um... And the and the looseness of it, the looseness of it, the improv aspect, all that's gone, and it's just squeaky clean as fuck now, and it's just is stripped of every bit of soul that it could ever have, and it goes with all the late night talk shows, especially. Which uh, which network is Kimmel on? I don't remember. I don't remember either. But we got this one for him. ABC. NBC. You are here to listen and not speak. Uh, <laughs> Uh, maybe it is abc yeah uh it looks like uh caller followed up with an actual screen all right sorry where are my manners i forgot the screen so um this little shadow elijah craig here (laughs) 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 my man had to have a little dipper of the brown lipper before he could go on to the quipper (laughs) what you heard me. Oh, you're. <laughs> <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> nice. Well, uh, we'll beautiful. Get, we'll get this uh, intermission rolling. Um, be sure to call us during our break. Let's get some uh, some more scream mails lining that can up. Six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. Six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. And we can be yours. Uh, do you have anything to say about this intermission before we uh, get this yeah, a rolling? I do. I'm sorry. That's what I have to say. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> I was like, got you. Nice. <laughs> got me. <laughs>
turn to Behind the Schemes. Starring Booberry, 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 and Lavish, 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 and Quirkus. Welcome back to second second half of show for episode seventy eight of Behind the Schemes. Hello, welcome back. Is uh, what January third, twenty twenty two? That is correct. You even got the year yes, right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Three days. I'm already on the shit. Like, like white on rice. I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> <sighs> as soon as it left my mouth, I knew I was getting canceled. Mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. that I was going to get canceled by all the corporate sponsors that we don't have because we are a value for value podcast. That means that Booberry and myself, Lavish, operate in a value-value system where we only uh, listen to people who uh, participate in the show, whether that be listening or calling in or emailing us or, God forbid, giving us some sort of financial contribution. If you happen to be, doesn't matter, uh, you are always a producer of this show because that is part of the value-value model. And that's why we get to say whatever we want. And that's why everybody... All these other podcasts around here get to do the same thing if they've got the same mindset. You know, I should have I should have played this uh, to start you off. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You know it. <laughs> We're just trying to bring about a new world order, people. So close. Um, should I hit you with the scream? Oh, good thing there. And uh, we can oh, yeah. roll into second half of second. second we got half? one during the intermission. Yeah. Well, it was a little Sweet. before intermission. Hat. Oh, oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice. That was both pleasurable. Rise to the top. Oh yeah! <laughs> it was both pleasurable and painful. <laughs> How do you like your screams? Pleasure and pl- pain, please. <laughs> both, please. <laughs> Hi, I'd like both. All right. So, uh, Lavish and I both sat down this weekend to get in on Netflix's latest, uh, what would you call it? If you could surmise the movie, don't look up with a single word. Like, what do you mean? Like, like what it is? Yeah. Like, or what, what, what kind of movie is this? Is it, um... Is it a documentary? It's a, no, it's a <laughs> it's it's a blockbuster. It's a it's a smash. It's a big project. It's a it's it's the culmination of a lot of moving forces. It's it's the most over the top, most high production, paid for piece of messaging that that you can find around these parts these days. <laughs> AKA propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's honestly my first inclinations is this is a, this is the, this is one of, and it's never going to be as good. Fight me on it. But this is mm-hmm. the, they live for liberals, I think. Like, you know, I how, like that. Yeah. It's like, whoa, this movie like exactly breaks it down. Like it lays it oh out. 
I mean, they spell it out for you, man. Like, people just refuse to look up. You just gotta look up. Right. Blech. Um, I like that because it's the it's look the looking up aspect especially because it's about visually acknowledging something. With they live, you're physically given a pair of glasses that shows you that everything's fake and that people are lizards or aliens or both. And uh, it's it's meant to be like a fun metaphor. For some people, it isn't. For some people, it's real. But for a lot of other people, it's it means something. That's not literal. But with this, I feel like people literally think this about the world. Like, maybe maybe I'm in the wrong. And maybe I'm just being hypocritical. And maybe these people are on the same level I am. And that they, maybe some of them get the joke. But I haven't really seen much evidence of it just from the people I've talked to about it. Oh, it's a big, Seems big, like people, it's, a, it's a big hit on the feedbacks. <sighs> People you, really believe that this is how the like world works. Like if you've watched this film, and that's scary. That's a scary, scary thing. Uh, do we really need to explain what the movie's about? Giant comets coming to destroy, yeah. hit the planet. Sure, we should. Yeah, uh, why don't you give lay, lay it down for us? Uh, astrophysicists uh, discover a comet five kilometers wide, which is about the same size of the. Um, asteroid or comet that wiped out all the dinosaurs. I think it's, uh, I want to say the impact zone is over a hundred miles. It's like a hundred mile radius of a crater. A um, hundred mile radius crater, no matter where it lands. And then if it lands on, on land or, or a combination of both, just, ooh. but it's just instant death mm-hmm. for everybody dinosaur. all the time. Um, Unless you're underground. Uh, 93 but, yeah. miles or 150 kilometers uh, if it is the one in Mexico. I think and, the one that they talk about, yeah, the one in Mexico is what they say killed the dinosaurs. But the one in the movie, I think, is six kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, so, these, like that. so these scientists discover that this uh, comet's trajectory includes planet earth so then they fly off to dc to try and convince um just the you know most talented actress ever in the history of uh screen films and <clears throat> i only say this because it based off of some of the clips but uh did you know meryl streep is a absolute legend i mean she's royalty she's acting royalty it's not are you telling me that she's like the greatest actress in the world. That's what, uh, that's what my clips say. So, um, well, well here turns out she's like a Bill Clinton and Trump sort of homunculus. That kind uh, of, yeah, they're meant to be, she's meant to be a Trump and a Clinton too. I guess you could look at it that way as well. Well, I, I think the idea was like, Oh, this is totally Trump. And, um, well, just to, just to sum it up, it's, it's about two people finding a comet. It's going to crash on Earth. It's going to kill everybody. And the president won't. Nobody like gets it. It's not just the president. It's the news. And all these people that they talk to, they just don't give a shit. Except for a couple of people who do give a shit and they lose their minds and they, and they puke. And, they, and they, they freak out. But other than that, everybody else who doesn't care, it's just pure 
like cold blooded, just like, Oh, there's an asteroid coming. I legitimately don't care. And it's not just like one or two people or like the dumb people. It's like everybody who matters. So the president, you know, the cabinet, the, the, the media, all these people, it's like, it's, it's, they're, sorry if I'm interrupting you, by the way. No, you're good. I just wanted to summarize it up, but it's just the way they look at it. It's like, these people don't have any concept or grasp of conscience or anything like that. And that these people can barely fucking read. And like, it's, it's a, which is a feeling that I really have never felt about any president other than maybe perhaps the current one. But that's only because of his current state. It's not because he couldn't before. It's just because of the situation, you know, but like it, it, that's kind of part of the irony of the whole thing. And and when you watch it, I almost think of it. People obviously will think of Trump. I'm sure Meryl Streep thought of him as Trump. Oh yeah. I thought of him as Biden a, a lot of the time. Like when I was watching it, it sent, it looked more like Biden than Trump just in the, in the swagger. And then the son who was played by Jonah Hill was, uh, was, uh, I guess meant to be Donnie jr. And sure. You know, you can, you can make fun of that, but you, you know, I've seen a lot of footage of Donnie and Donnie's like, he's kind of a professional guy. He doesn't like dick around. He doesn't, he's not, he's not an immature dude. He's not, you know, maybe you don't agree with him, but he's, him and his dad are both like very professional guys, uh, you know, on the scene. It's kind of weird. Obviously, obviously, Jonah Hill so was Hunter Biden. He was Hunter Biden. <laughs> so you, what you're watching is Joe and Hunter in the cabinet, if it were them in the cabinet. And, and you really feel that, especially with Jonah. Jonah trying to be Donnie Jr. actually came out as a perfect Hunter Biden. Yeah, and it's it's totally that same character, I would argue, as uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, someone who's just a fucking cocky, coked-up, whore-banging psycho who just will do anything to win, doesn't give a fuck. Not to say that, you know, but that's what that's what's funny about Trump is that he doesn't do drugs. So right. he never, even in the 80s, did cocaine. So, like, he even has that, which is some random kind of arbitrary thing that sets them apart in a weird way, but these, it's just like them. It's anyway, I don't want to harp on it too much. If you have seen it, it's, it's really uncanny. How like if, if Joe Biden was like a, a sentient, not sentient, but if he was still like incapable of his full faculties, you know, he wouldn't be too different because he's always been a, just a cocksure dick. Like, him and Trump really aren't so different. Right. <laughs> They're both just like schmarmy, schmucky fucking dicks. And the only reason why people don't uh, think of him in that way is just because Trump is worse somehow. Let's see. What's some other thoughts that I had about it? Uh, when they're given that big rally and the comet's already in view in the... Uh in the sky, you know, they're given this big rally. Don't look up. Don't look up. Uh, which is, you know, oddly mm-hmm. the name of the movie. The first and immediate thing that came to mind was the article saying, don't do your own research. You know, don't go looking for this information. Don't look up. Critical thinking is dangerous right now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, 
shit, man. We've heard it from the experts. It's it's difficult to be a critical thinker. Oh, it is so difficult, you know. So just you know, you don't even have to think about it, dude. There's scientists and buildings. Yeah, and then uh, Leo, as a scientist that gains that taste for fame, he really strikes me as like a you know one of these pop scientists that just love being on the air. He he mm-hmm. literally like he gets into it, he gets his jollies off, you know. Yeah, he starts sleeping with the hot like star and cheats on his wife and just goes totally nuts. It was really awesome. I think that's a Neil deGrasse Tyson pull. Not to say that Neil deGrasse Tyson cheats on his wife, but it just makes fun of science guys who get famous. Mm. And that's where Leo shined. In the beginning, I thought Leo was miscast as as this guy because, I don't know, it's funny to see Leo really in anything. Um, asinine. As I put it in the show notes, it's it's interesting to see him in anything that like isn't obviously big budget, but also something that he likes, something that he personally is invested in. And more and more as he gets older, he seems to be a climate guy, and he's just oh. a huge, huge climate guy. Would you like to hear from Mr. DiCaprio himself about the climate crisis? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you got plenty of footage of this guy. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. If I were to describe oh Don't my. Look Up in a Nutshell, it would be an analogy of modern-day culture and our inability to hear and listen to uh, scientific truth. I often in my career looked for a film that had an environmental undertone to it. But much like the inundation of news on climate change... A lot of people don't want to hear it, and making a film about it is an even more difficult task to take on. And Adam, who's an incredibly outspoken individual on the climate crisis, really wanted to do a film that brought, you know, an element of dark comedy to what seems to be a daunting issue. It's daunting. Um, I mean, what do you even, what's the fallacy there? That you see with, I mean, not to say that he's, he's wrong because we all care about the environment. There's not, not, we don't want the environment to, to cripple itself, but why exactly doesn't it, why isn't it right where he's coming from? Well, he does have 99% of all scientists on his, on his backside. So, I mean, hmm. 99.7. Percent <laughs> scientists. It's like 99.9%, 99.7%. Something something up in that range. I love how the the first real hardcore political scene is they, they follow the numbers, but they bring up 99.7. And I know that that's a COVID thing. Right. Like addressing the, the survival rate, the overall survival rate of the disease. Now, so it, that's fun. If you were uh, if you were an educated man, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. How many years do you think Leo gives us that we have left to exist on this planet? 15. Ooh. No, wait, 50. Ooh, wait, so 15. close. Price is wrong, bitch. What Adam did that was mm. so brilliant here was use the analogy of a, a, a giant comet heading towards Earth and how the human race would react to it from a political level, from a scientific level, and what we would do about it. It really reminded me of what it's 
like for climate scientists, scientists like, you know, Michael Mann, for example, when they're put in the mainstream news circuit and told to talk about the catastrophic events of the climate crisis. Here they are trying to be media savvy and not politicize the issue, but just try to articulate the facts the best they can. There are some hard truths that these characters need to face, much like we do as a, as a species on Earth. We're trying to tell you this whole time, it's right there. It's I just love the way that he ended this film because it makes us take a hard look at where we're ultimately going and the fact that a lot of this stuff is slowly becoming irreversible and that we have this very finite window of, of 10 years to make this transition. 10 if years. If we're not voting for leaders or supporting everything that has to do with climate mitigation, we're going to have a, you know, a fate very similar to these characters. <sighs> So uh, if there was a stream drop there, uh, the punchline was 10 years, folks. You got 10 years to get your affairs in order before, 10 it's, years uh, before it's all over. Left. You know, Ugh. Live, it, live it wisely, you know. Um, well, this, we better. We better fight for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This last clip, I've got it labeled the mirror tells. Um I guess we don't really have to play because it's really just more of the same. Like, oh, this movie exists as a as a perfect mirror as to what's uh, going on in our right. current culture. But um, he did. But end they, up, so the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. He he did end up dropping this mirror analogy a couple times in these videos that I found. But I'm sure it was which just is a, spooky. Well, I think it's a lot of. Um, well, you know, mirrors are kind of spooky. You know, I would say there's some esoterical elements to mirrors, but um, always. You know, he's just uh, just spewing talking points, promotional stuff for the film, I suppose. But yeah. So. Yeah. But but that's also his shtick. I mean, he does it for the film, but he wouldn't have done the film in the first place if that wasn't his deal. And the problem I have with it isn't is that he, he doesn't acknowledge like the real issue. He it's a straw man. He he addresses again just the lowest form of argument that you can have in that arena which is somebody who doesn't believe that there's any you know impact or whatever or doesn't whatever believe in climate change we don't even talk about whether it's true or not as much as we just talk about the people who abuse it right just like all the other shit the scam artists that come in and they will use this you know legitimate or not topic and they will emotionally manipulate you and they will try to control your lives and they'll try to take your money and they'll try to control your way of life and try to diminish you, you know, and they will use, they will use it as a way to win and for you to lose. And, uh, that is the problem. It isn't, it isn't that these problems don't exist. It's that the people that are running these charities and running the shows, they're all fucking scam artists, con artists. They're all, snake oil salesmen and fucking shysters as melodious owl says and um people who have a, a zealous mentality as servo says you know people who who basically pick a team they just go nuts on it and they and they can't listen to and you know they, they just aren't open to it mm -hmm. they aren't open to it and this guy obviously this whole movie is just full of people who straw man the hell out of this whole thing and they focus on this this very 
kind of dumb character and they don't focus on the actual reason why people criticize their platform. The, uh, you know what their platform is built on? I'll, I'll say it. It's all based on fear. Uh, so much so that I even have a clip of Adam McKay talking about uh, his fear. So this movie came from my uh, burgeoning terror uh, about the climate crisis and the fact that we live in a society that tends to place it as the fourth or fifth news story or in some cases even deny that it's happening and how uh, horrifying that is, but at the same time preposterously funny. (laughs) Uh, burgeoning terror burgeoning terror i like adam mckay though like did in in this situation no but like his career and and what he's done is uh have as far you, as Hollywood guys go. Have you seen or heard or listened to an interview with him in it? I've never listened to him talk. No. You should, because I picked up on something. Um, And it, I don't think that it is, but it sounds like it's the same condition that RFK Jr. is suffering from. There's some sort of like oh. tremor going on. And, um, you know, I, Maybe that's I, why he isn't on screen more. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, I would be curious to know, like, when it started or if it's something that's gotten worse over the years. It was, uh, just an interesting observation. Um, hmm. you know, speaking of RFK Jr., I didn't tell you this, but I got the book in the mail today. Ooh, shit. Hell yeah. Hard copy, baby. It's mine and mine forever. And if they take it off, then I got mine. <laughs> yeah, I still gotta pick one up. Um, let's Amazon see. still got it. Pick it up today. Uh, the the real Anthony Fauci, uh, Bill Gates, Big Pharma by RFK Jr. I think that's what it's called. I don't have the book in front of me right now. I'm also reading another great book. This is my book recommendation. Paul Kirk's Championship Barbecue Sauces by uh, <laughs> recommended by Sir Spud the Mighty. Ooh. So thank you, Sir Spud the Mighty. And I would <laughs> pooper. I would highly recommend this book. This is one of the one of the finest barbecue sauce marinade and mop books I've ever come across. So thank you, Sir Spud. He doesn't listen to the show, but big shout out to him. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. I can uh, I can take this into another set of clips here. I mean, it's Jennifer Lawrence and Leo talking about uh, um, about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. In this particular clip, they jump right out the gate supporting new trends. This is kind of the feel good, feel bad movie of the year. How did you pull that off? It's a pretty good description. We made this movie during the pandemic before there was even a vaccine so i think we were all in the mood to laugh because things were so grim but at the same time we needed to feel some other feelings as well (laughs) thank god (laughs) so that was that was him talking that was adam mckay right uh i believe so let me see i can go back because it sounded like what he sounded like rfk jr kind of except he had like a 
He had the same cadence, but he had a, he had a normal speaking voice, basically. Right. Let's see. Um. Yes, that was uh, McKay speaking there at the beginning. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this particular clip uh, brings around that uh, Leo is Fauci comparison. Which one was this? After seeing the movie last night, something kind of resonated in me. It's how we process bad news and how it becomes a debate, how truth and facts can be distorted or politicized. This was originally, uh, you know, a metaphor for the climate crisis, and then COVID hit, and then a whole new wave of the denial of science. It was amazing to witness what was going on in real time as we were making this movie. I mean, we were sitting there trying to explain science as Fauci was doing the same thing. It was it was a bizarre experience. You've said, Leo, you feel like it cracks the code. You also said <laughs> yesterday, I think, that you were a little bit of a Debbie Downer on this issue. Mm. I mean, it's hard not to feel a little bit hopeless. If you do a film about climate change, this is it, it's nearly impossible to get people to get a sense of urgency and hold a mirror to our culture and media and 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 politics and all of these things. And I just felt like this was an incredible gift to be a part of a movie that encapsulated exactly what we're going through at this particular moment in time. But yeah, I am a bit of a Debbie Downer because the clock is absolutely ticking. Right. We got 10 years. Mm-hmm. We got 10 years to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's dead numbers lame, but I get, I understand the sentiment, you know, I understand where he's coming from. Like if he's trying to, as long as he's not getting paid off, he's genuinely oh into it. <laughs> I can't speak for him, but uh, <laughs> keep that in the back of your mind for for uh, something I got later. Um, the next one, it, it if you want to hear it or not, it talks about uh, Jennifer Lawrence getting into character. She plays a grad student that actually discovers the comment. And I guess to really like become this character, you know, because this movie is kind of terrifying to make. Um, I guess she just got stoned for a lot of the scenes on camera. <laughs> because that's what her character does. I know. <laughs> and they show that right away. They show that the, it, whenever she gets stressed, she gets high. And so, like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll move past that's that. That's great. One. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, no, it's just great. There's there's a lot of great characters. The Ariana Grande character, who I think represents like uh, she's a combination of herself and also uh, Nicki Minaj. Mm. And the the whole like her getting back together with her ex on TV that was very very much like Nicki Minaj getting back with uh, what's his face from Migos. Uh, and how politicized that was, and how they used that to for each other's careers, and blah blah blah. So I like I like what Adam McKay is saying there with with that whole sequence when they're the the scientists are about to go on TV, and they're going to tell the world you know the news, the bad news after the president takes them in, which to me was the worst scene of the whole movie was when they visit the president for the first time that to me was the most uh trump derange syndrome scene of the whole thing yeah but after they get blown off by the president then they go for some reason get carted off to some morning news show which is hosted by uh medea Ooh, what's his tyler, name? Perry. tyler perry 
and uh, and the girl who the lady his co-host who I think is Anderson Cooper basically. Oh, she's yeah. like the morning Good Morning America version of Anderson Cooper as a woman. Um, and yeah, she she like she's from when she gets into her background, she talks about how she's from an old rich family and she's banged a couple of presidents and it's like okay. How'd you get your job? At, it's, you know, this good morning America thing. Like, it's like, okay, dude, we see you. We see you. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, but the idea of them going on and, and doing this, this TV show thing is hilarious. Cause they're, they're putting on this bad news, but everybody's tucking it away. And the idea that they like, don't know the gravity of what they're talking about. And it's following up the stupid Ariana Grande makeup scene. Uh, it's it's all about distraction. I like that point that they're making it about, right, which is that everything's scripted. It's all bullshit. It's all just like funny money. Everybody's just doing their job basically, and most things are a lie. <laughs> but to to compare him to Fauci, I think is is strange because he. I mean, I like the the getting famous part, but Fauci. It would be funny if Fauci had a moment like that when he was young where he tasted fame and he was just like, Oh yeah, this is what I want to do. And he's, and he's grown into this thing that you see now. Uh, Servo. <laughs> I forgot about this, but uh, I did like how the, uh, I guess it was um, Leo's son in the movie. <laughs> His phone kept buying the sound or the, uh, the singles released by Ariana Grande's character. <laughs> yeah. So they do this big, get, they re-get together on TV, and then all of a sudden the album sells, you know, and it's automatically bought by Apple. Yeah. It's fucking great. It's a very U2 moment. Um, yeah. And the Elon Musk, Steve Jobs character was great. He ties into all of that. Because <laughs> I think they were all on his phones. I like that. It kind of ties in together like that, which is fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna go back and get a couple of those clips. I thought that was or ISOs, it was pretty funny stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with these two here in quick succession. One of them is uh talking about this Merrill Street praise that I brought up a little earlier. And then um you know, I'm just gonna let you know that this is not a Hollywood ending for a movie. And she was next to Meryl Streep. I too, was next which- to Meryl Streep. What was it like to be with Meryl Streep? Because I know she's an idol of everyone's. Her her improvisation was incredible, too. You know, shooting this during COVID and having the mind of Adam McKay sort of speak through a loudspeaker. And we were this sort of nerdy scientist just trying to react to this onslaught of different directions that the scenes would go at any given time because... He really created an atmosphere where anything goes. Not a lot of rehearsal, just get into the room and go at it. And, and of course, Meryl was incredible, incredible to work with. She is, she is everyone's idol. She is your idol. <laughs> Bow before the statue of Meryl. <laughs> She's got a long street. That's uh, a long shadow. I don't, I don't know. Um, She's... When I was a an actor, I used to like her. And I wasn't an actor, but I would, you know, when I used to like her, she was cool. We were, <laughs> but my, uh, but my, now I used to think that about De Niro. Fucking, they've, they've both just fallen so far. 
it's disgusting how much changes. Um, so this is, I guess this is more just bloviating, but, uh, like I said, this is not, this is definitely not a Hollywood ending. You had the premiere. How did the ending go over? I'm not giving anything away because you'll kill me. I think it was incredibly emotional and, you know, had this movie had a different ending, it wouldn't be the story that it is. And we're not going to give that away, but it needed to have this this ending. It needed to, it's a wake-up call. It's an alarm clock. And, it's not um, a Hollywood ending. No, it's not. If it didn't have that ending, there was no way we were going to be a part of it. Part of it. <laughs> so everybody has to die at the end. Now, let me say this. The movie, I was most surprised by the anti-transhumanist themes that they expressed at the very final moments of the movie. Uh, you have a couple. Uh, the family turns to religion at the very end. You know, it's like, oh, should we pray? And then you know, one of the characters steps up and does it. And they turn to family at the very end when there's no chance left. And they are all very much doomed. Religion and family. Um, so I don't know if like, you know, it does it. I'm trying to like get in their heads. Are they trying to say that religion and family mattered this whole time or that it only matters when your impeding doom is here? Or that that's, you know, that's a sort of a hooky way of tying it all together. That's what it's all about, everybody. In the end. I don't in know. the end, it didn't even matter. Tries yeah. This, the feeling of the whole movie is that it's like they try, they, they get the one little missile launch off, but it's not like, you know, there are a lot of movies out there where there's a comet heading for Earth. Right. And I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where Earth does so very little to to fight it. And that's just, you know, that's the point of the movie, right? But it's interesting to see that. It's interesting to see the movie in that framework. Let's see. Um, so I've, I've got two longer clips and then everything after that is short, but these, I didn't, I didn't want to chop them up because they are inexplicably bizarre in my humble opinion. And this was an interview that featured, uh, Meryl Streep, the greatest actress of all time and Jonah Hill. Which channel was this? Uh, this looks to be today. And, well, I'll just let them speak for themselves. Good morning, Jonah. Good morning, Mystery. Morning. It says Meryl here, but I can't call a legend. No, no, oh. can't do it. It's oh, no. Mystery to me. What no. do you What do you call Mystery? Boss. The boss. <laughs> you are the boss in this I movie. I call her the goat, the greatest of all oh, time. No. Wait a minute. I heard a story about this. He was. He's been calling you. A, the goat. Yeah. But you didn't know I that that was, was a compliment? Cute. No, I, did, I thought, why is he calling me a goat? And I sort of thought, well, <laughs> you, you kind of look like a goat, you know? Not true. <laughs> but no, I I don't know. I, I didn't know Strange. what that meant, you know? So what, what happened? <laughs> you just were like, oh, you're the goat. You're the goat. Yeah, no, just doing interviews. And I've obviously everyone in the world respects Meryl more than anything in the world, and myself included. And then Jen Jonah. came in and Meryl was saying, oh, yeah. I think he's calling me a goat. 
And then Jen Lawrence was like, no, it stands for greatest of all time. It's a massive compliment and not a <laughs> grotesque disc that I would never, it never say anyway. It says a lot about your grace yeah. that you didn't say like, hey, knock it, stop calling me a farm animal. No, I just thought it was like, I don't know, a cute little thing. Yeah. She's the coolest, that dude. That's... the scenery or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he meant. Not true. But she's, you know, yeah. she's the best. Well, you too have such i'm gonna stop there for a second a minute and 20 seconds they talk about how meryl streep is a goat (laughs) i i want to say something about jonah hill real quick hit me jonah hill and seth rogan ditched james franco like an old pile of egg cartons when he got me tooed. Those guys spent every fucking day together for like 10 years, 15 years. They made movies together. They did all their shit together. Jonah Hill would be nothing without him. They also did This Is The End, right? Another apocalyptic film? This Is The End. Yeah. Yep. Another apocalyptic film. And they did a a shitload of other films and and they were inseparable for years and years and years. And then as soon as uh, Franco got me too, they just were gone. Just ditched his ass. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. It was crazy. Very weird. Hollywood is a very, very weird place. Well, that's a, that's a perfect lead-in, because I can't imagine how Meryl Streep won't get canceled for this quote-unquote joke. Amazing chemistry in this movie. It's hard to describe this movie, because on the one hand... It's about the end of the world. And on the other hand, it's a hilarious romp toward the end of the world. And honestly, like Leonardo DiCaprio said, somehow the director cracked the code. How you make a movie about climate change and the looming impending disaster and make it really a good time. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's like in the um, it's like a gallows humor or um, mm. a black joke you know a joke that's black just, humor she can't say really black humor anymore it. <laughs> it's black jokes everybody <laughs> black jokes black jokes so she she tried not to say black humor and instead she said black jokes i don't i don't know if this is intentional not or not great. but meryl streep is bringing bringing back black jokes everybody <laughs> no no don't do it meryl please <laughs> Please let let them go. So you had a you had a little bit to say there on Jonah Hill. Uh, you know, I've I've seen some of his stuff. I could take him or leave him. You know, I I, I enjoyed it in Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but this is just well, I don't I I, I can't spoil it for you. I'll just let you take it all in. Well, um, the, before I let you go, I did hear that you brought um. I, I can't. I guess I can say it, like a fart machine to some of the um, I have no idea press screeners. That's not yeah. true. You do know. Yeah. You know exactly what you did. He yeah. says. Did he, he do he it? Says he brought a fart machine. It, honestly, oh. it's, this is going to be a really short recapped version. <laughs> you have to understand. I understand how stupid it is, right? This it's is amazing. not like something I think is funny. It's for like two year olds. Yeah. <laughs> which is so Julia Louis Dreyfus and I were doing a movie together, and we we're like, how funny it would be from doing this press tour with all these iconic movie stars. And I have something as stupid as that, because like what we've all been through, like, yeah, like let's just. And it's, it's a serious it's subject matter. Yes. It's a serious subject matter. 
And so we did it, and then, like, Meryl was the only one who was cool enough to think it was funny. And then, like, people from Netflix were, like, formally asking me to stop using it. But I do think the movie itself is this brilliant, like, comedy that has this deeper message. So for me to go out and do press with all these, like, legends and do something so stupid... It was meta. Right on track. It is. And then also say, I don't know anything about how to, like, fix climate change. It scares me because I just hear it and it's this big Goliath. Mm. And I asked my girlfriend who works in this arena, and she's just like, if you care, you can call your local congressperson and talk about H.R. 794, which is the Emergency Climate Act. That's what I did. And it gave someone like me with no knowledge a small step of like something you can actually do. So the fart machine in that, I feel like my job here is done. Yeah, I was like, I don't know how you were going to weave back to the machine, but you did. It's about high-low, Savannah. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I'm starting to get it. Like, it's the alchemy. It's the tonal achievement. This interview is a tonal achievement. Correct. Exactly right. Thank you so much. Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. The goat. She's the goat. Greatest of all time. You can catch Don't Look Up in select theaters this Friday. It's on Netflix December 24th. Coming up next. Was that a goat noise? Legend. Was that a goat noise? Fucking legend. Was that a goat noise? (laughs) So they, they, they call it alchemy. Jonah Hill does an advertisement. And... For the press tours, and I saw uh, there's an Entertainment Weekly uh, sit-down that they do that's like 20 minutes long, and he brings his fart machine to it. (laughs) And that is the very definition of meta, cracking the code. Ugh. Ugh. Very ugh. Yeah. Take it as you will, folks. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Think of, uh... I, I mean, I don't really have, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I can give you like what a quote unquote real scientist has to say about it, uh, about what the, what meaning is and what the movie means. And, uh, actually I'm going to play this one for you. It's, it was a little, this was probably the most disturbing clip out of this whole slew of shit that I found. And this, um, yeah. this is like one of those plastic cert, not, He's not a plastic surgeon scientist, but he's a scientist that looks like he's got a lot of plastic surgery going on. Um, mm, he's got a lot of plastic surgeon friends. Yeah, and this is uh, Brian Cox breaks down the science behind Don't Look Up and what is meaning. I think one of the problems we face as a civilization is we don't know how valuable we are. In our galaxy, the Milky Way, there are 400 billion stars and countless trillions of planets. And yet, it is possible that you could count the number of civilizations on the fingers of one hand. In fact, it's possible that there is only one, and that's us here. That uh, talk about meaning. There's a word that doesn't sound particularly scientific. Meaning, what does it mean to exist? Well, I would argue that meaning is a property of intelligence. And if this planet is the only place where intelligence exists, then I would argue that this is the only place where meaning exists in the galaxy of 400 billion stars. And it's possible that by not taking the violence of the universe seriously, we may allow or be complicit in the destruction of meaning in a galaxy. (laughs) If we don't find a way to combat climate change, we will destroy the very essence of meaning 
inside of an empty, meaningless universe. Wow. Well. Um, I also got another deeper meaning from a, from a different astro- astrophysicist, and this is what he had to say about it. That looks like kick. <laughs> and looks then, like kick? Yeah. That looks like kick. <laughs> uh, he's talking about one of the uh, observatory, or yeah, I, I guess one of the um, telescopes is based out of Hawaii. And it's called K-E-C-K, Keck. K-E-C-K is in, like, like the Hawaiian, like, Keck. Yeah. Mm. Which island is it on? The Big Island? That I don't know. I didn't make it that far. Probably find out here quick enough. Can you hear my cat? No, I heard something thumping around. God damn it, fucking thing. It's all good. Never had the cat bug me during the show before. It is a two-telescope astronomical observatory in the uh, mm, Moana Kia, M-A-U-N-A, K-E-A. M-A-U-N-A-K-E-A, Moana Kia. Yes. That is correct. I don't know which island that is. Hmm. I don't either. They are the third and fourth largest uh, telescopes in the in the world, but they do this shot of a telescope in the movie, and uh, he just drops that, and I was like, <laughs> pause it and take it back a couple times, and make sure I didn't uh, hear something that um, uh, I was uh, wanting to hear, I guess. But yeah, I think it could be argued that Keck makes an appearance in this film, which just makes it even more. Uh, magical alchemical almost that's fantastic that's no fucking coincidence you know that homie did that on purpose it's bizarre it's a strange world that we live in uh he also <laughs> he also had this gem of an iso you gotta hedge your bets because you know if there's a god out there you better say sorry for all that naughty shit you've done <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> better get to it then. You better make a list, check it twice. Shit. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think like Servo said when we were talking about it, it's over the weekend. Everybody's going to see something a little different in the film. Um, at the end of the day, I definitely won't argue the fact that it's kind of... Uh, within the purview of Netflix and the various types of productions they've been releasing in the past couple of years. Yes. And also the, uh, I would say the, just like the, I mean, it is a Rorschach test, like Servo said, but it's also definitely a message Mm -hmm. from a very specific group of people, very specific message, but it it can't be translated in, in all different ways. And that's the beauty of the art. And there's a lot of truth in the film as well as bullshit. So commendable. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other uh, final shots, parting shots? I uh, I don't believe so. I just uh, I just think uh, yeah, everything's splendid, and I wish everyone a happy new year. I suppose. 
And uh, that's about that as far as that is concerned. Don't see this movie and don't give your patronage to Netflix. If you're going to have a Netflix account, make sure you steal it. Make sure that (laughs) you don't pay for it. Don't give them a single dime of your hard-earned money. I don't care if it's American dollars or Canadian pesos or whatever the hell you've got. Just don't do it. And, uh, yeah, we should do we should do more movie uh, breakdowns in the future. Well, I will say that Bags has requested that we check out Matrix 4, uh, which I have not had the pleasure. Uh, yeah, I don't even... I don't want to watch it because I don't want to, like, ruin... I don't know. I just... Yeah, we can. This is fun stuff because this is stuff I wouldn't watch otherwise. Right. But I, I hear it's terrible, and I hear that from some genuine Matrix fans that would see the good in it otherwise. And it sounds like it's just absolute trash. So, uh, like a fan fiction. Mm. So, I don't know. We can watch it if we want to. All right. Well, we'll talk about it, because I still got to go, I guess, <laughs> watch it in theaters. <laughs> oh, is it still in theaters? It might be. I really couldn't no. tell you. I really couldn't tell I'll you. find it for you. Don't worry about it. Uh, high, high, sail the high seas. <laughs> I'll get it for you. Oh, you know what? Um, let me just humor you with this ISO that I also pulled from the mask gun. Oh, I'm going to lose my face! <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. We didn't have any other screen mails uh, come in, so I think that about wraps us for this episode. If you want to get in on this action, because we do these shows live every Monday night at 7.30 uh, specific, 9.30 Chemtrail and 10.30 Beast Coast, head over to... <laughs> More like Least Coast. Hey! Oh. hey oh, Least Coast. I like that. That's uh, Somebody dropped that on me the other day. I don't know if it, it might have been Bully Steed. Or it might have been, uh, might have been somebody. I forget who, but somebody dropped that on me, and I went, "Man, that's so good." Um. Also, I, there was some, there was something else I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to shout out real quick. I, I should have mentioned this at uh, the beginning of the show when we were talking about the the New Year's, uh, the New Year's uh, happenings. But at one point, Abel Kirby and Fletcher were playing guitar, and Abel asked if I could lay down some slam poetry and without even skipping a beat, I just reached up and grabbed a handful of the sticky notes that, uh, that sort of frame my desk. And I was reading off sure. all of the old titles that we, uh, that we never ended up going with. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, it was a lot of fun. You were made for slam poetry. Basically, every single one of our post-show thingies are are slam poet poems. One, slam poems. One of these days, I'm going to uh, I'm going to actually write a Substack out and, and do something with all of these. So get excited! It's in my it's in my uh, horizon. Mm. It's in my crosshairs. We're gonna do it. Um, fantastic fantastic yes and uh if you want to put us in your crosshairs you can call us at 612-263-7999 leave us a screen mail we'll play it on the show live next week um 
Hashtag That's green right. Room. You don't have to uh, call during the show. You can call at any point in the week. Uh, 612-263-7999. You've got to make sure to write it down or type it down or uh, whatever. Put it on a sticky note. <laughs> have it close by. Yeah. Yeah. You get a bunch of sticky notes. They're cheap. Mm-hmm. Hashtag green room. Ooh. Hashtag me as well. <laughs> oh yeah, I want you to hashtag in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag tag hash. Uh. Uh. Well, I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. We'll be back again next Monday to do it all over again. Except, I mean, we won't be watching that. Don't look up a second time. No, no, never again. Actually, yeah. Oh, that's true. That is, that is very true. Um, but you know, it's a good time. Yeah. Never again till next Monday. I'll be Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And I will also and still be also lavish. This show is behind the schemes behind the schemes with threes as ease <laughs> much boobs much conspiracy much punk it's nucking futs behind the schemes that's bad radio dot live you know why because it's bad radio man do you not 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 do you welcome to your doom well, what if you had denim bedding, too? Like, I think Boobery has denim bedding, I, I assume. He probably has those jean sheets. <laughs> you can suck a bag and eat my ass. Boobs! Because Boobery wants some action. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. This is Behind... The schemes, the esoterica of your dreams. Some 
in less than two weeks, the sun will again turn, and it will be darker. And in about two months, it will be colder and colder and colder, and we will again be able to be happy people.